the UK manufacturing sector continues to prosper. Of course, there's bad news. Maybe there is in the States as well at the moment. I don't know. But it's there's bad news every day. But equally, there's good news every day. So you have to balance the two out, really. We have less factories, but those factories are more efficient. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. Today's podcast is the first episode in a multi-part series in which we're interviewing people in the machining world outside the United States. Our first stop was England, where we interviewed Joe Reynolds. Joe is director of MTD CNC, a popular website based in the UK that markets prominent machine tool builders and informs people in the machining business on the latest news and technology. He also refers to himself as a swarf guru. So, of course, we had to interview him. As a used machine tool dealer specializing in high production equipment, I've encountered plenty of fire damaged machines. An average fire costs a business $300,000 to $500,000 and six to eight weeks of lost production time. Installed on over 15,000 CNC machines, FireTrace protects shops running oil-based coolants by automatically detecting and suppressing fires within seconds. After FireTrace stops a fire, its system quickly rearms and you can have your machine back up and running in as little as 45 minutes. For more details, go to www.firetrace.com slash swarfcast. That's www.firetrace.com slash swarfcast. This is a really, uh, a really great opportunity. I'm happy that we have Joe Reynolds, director at MTD. On his LinkedIn, it says he is the Swarf Guru at MTD CNC. So, obviously, for Swarfcast, it makes sense that we would be interviewing the Swarf Guru. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hey, Noah. Thanks for having me. This is very interesting because you have a, a publication. There's a, a few parallels with us. It's a, an online publication called MTD CNC. They also have a few other channels, MTD MFG and an MTD podcast. And that's where I actually found out about them. I may have seen them before online, but there's a lot of stuff with machines and manufacturing online. So you can kind of get them all confused. So Joe, first, give me uh, the 60 second version of how you got into this business. And then I want you to tell me a little bit about MTD you know, because I think our users, our, our readers, our listeners, I think they would find it very interesting if they don't know about you guys. Um, and then, then we're going to talk uh, machining in the UK and the world. Yeah. As I say, thanks for having me, Noah. Great to be on. Uh, so me personally, I'm, a, I'm an engineer, engineer by heart. That was my trade. Did my apprenticeship, five, maybe six, six year apprenticeship. And I passed. Um, <laughs> And yeah, and essentially did what many people did. I got into a, a sales role, worked for a couple of American companies, actually a German brand as well. Uh, then I started a main tooling company. And as good as that was, I just had a young family. and It was becoming a challenge getting around all these people. If you don't go and see them, you don't get the orders. You know, you do need to go and see them. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was difficult with a young family. Going particularly well, I must say. 
But I bumped into the founder of MTD, Paul Jones, at Emo. This would have been 10 years ago now, so do the math on that, whatever that was, whatever Emo that was. He tried to sell advertising to me, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So he was a publisher. Yeah, he had a a website called machinetooldirect.co.uk at the time. I joined him. I was the second guy in, and I think we're up to 20... I've lost count, 25 staff maybe at okay, the moment. Okay, so MTD stands for Machine Tool Direct. I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, don't tell anybody. It's a secret. It's like KFC and Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> you, you know, like, you don't want them to really know what it is. You just, you want the acronym. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. And clearly, Machine Tool Direct was very machine tool centric. Uh, today, machine tools represent fewer than half of our clients. So we've come a long way in 10 years. We're essentially a marketing company with Europe's largest CNC machining channels built into that. We work with many household names that you have in the States, some uh, some homegrown um, clients as well you won't, you won't enjoy in the States. But yeah, we're going really well. So I, I just want to flesh this out. Like what I like about it is, so you go and you go to MTDCNC, they have a gazillion videos. You're constantly putting up new videos of new products, machine tools, the latest and greatest. And then you are with the people selling the machines and you ask them questions and demonstrate the machines, more or less. Yeah, we, we probably have... 20 different variants of what you've just said but yeah we can what we call a machine review so stand there get down and dirty a deep dive into the machine tool we do the same with cutting tools coolants lubricants it's so simple but take me for instance you know we're used machinery dealers right now we have a wire edm a fanic wire edm that at somebody's shop we're trying Mm -hmm. to broker and you know i feel ridiculous saying this but I had never seen a wire EDM actually working, nor anybody explaining to me how it worked. I'm sure I could have gone to YouTube and searched through everything, but I was just going on your site and I saw it and now it's fleshed out a bit. So it's, you know, it's a super simple thing. And when you feature a video like that, are the people paying you to put their video on your site? Or is it like, oh, we're giving you free editorial content, so we're going to you guys can feature it or some of both. Yeah, a bit of both really. Being frank, we, we, we've got, we employ a lot of people. We have a lot of costs, got big offices, studios, cameramen, editors, developers, coders. So obviously we need to, we need to charge to get that. But yeah, people have different packages that we have quite low level entry level packages. Okay. But if I'm, if I'm Mazak and I have a new machining center, I go to you and I say, Hey, I want to demo this new product. And you say, okay, we'll send our team over and it'll be X amount of quid, as you would say. Is that, I mean, is that like the most basic version of it? Uh, Yeah, that conversation very rarely happened in truth. We're campaign driven. So we just wouldn't just go and do a video. We would would do almost a a cradle to grave. We look at concepts from a new machine, how the best way to launch that machine would be. And of course, video media would be an element, but there's there's lots of different things. Right, social and all that. In its most basic form. Yeah, you're right, yeah. But there's a lot more to it than that, yeah, but yes. And then on the podcast, it's a lot of the same. Maybe a few other things thrown in, but it's... It's similar. You talk about various machine tools or am I missing something? It's technology. Uh, in terms of the M- MTD CNC podcast, it is, if you think of CNC machine shop, anything within those four walls. So the, the technology, the software, the people, 
the tooling. Yeah, and, and it's we all know what a podcast is. Our podcasts are audio only. Yeah, and we enjoy good results across the many podcast platforms. Right. Well, you don't need to do video because you have so many other videos already. Yeah, probably enough. So that's that's the nitty gritty of what your business is. Is there anything else you want to talk about before I go into grilling you about machining in the UK? Do you know, I wouldn't want to be a politician. I don't like this. But yeah, no, um, we're a successful company, to be honest. We work with the vast majority of companies here in the UK. In fact, globally, we work with many, many customers. Obviously, we've got MTD CNC. We've got the Manufacturing Channel, which is the name which suggests is a lot broader. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Swarf and Chips, which is our weekly show. It goes out, I think, it's been going on show 200 nearly, believe it or not. So that would be 200 consecutive weeks. I promise you, I did not, we did not not copy off that. We've had a blog, Swarf blog. Well, originally when we were a print magazine, it was just Swarf. It was my dad's Swarf column. It was like the gossip column about everything machining. And then when we went online, it was Swarf blog. And I promise you, we didn't, uh, we didn't nick it. (laughs) We can't trademark and Swarf be fine. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about machining business in Europe and the UK in particular. When I think of machining, manufacturing, the UK is not exactly at the top of my list. Although, you know, because we we sell a lot of Wickman screw machines, so I know about Coventry and I know, you know, they used to just churn them out back in the day. And I know once upon a time, the UK was big for manufacturing. And then I'm not going to pretend I really know the history. I heard somewhere people said like, oh, Margaret Thatcher came in and then (laughs) all the manufacturing went away. And then it just became like service-based, financial-based economy. So, that's not totally true, correct? No, it's not true. But if you lived in the UK and and you listened to our mainstream media, they would echo what you have just said. When you dig a bit deeper, you know, it represents nearly 20% of GDP. Uh, it's a massive, and it's about 80% of total exports. So it's, it's massive for us, manufacturing. Uh, average salary of around 32000 which is a fair bit above the national average as, as, as an average across all, manuf- uh, all industries. So, no, the, uh, the UK manufacturing sector, uh, it continues to prosper of course, there's bad news. Maybe there is in the States as well at the moment. I don't know. But it's there's bad news every day. But equally, there's good news every day. So you have to balance the two out, really. We have less factories, but those factories are more efficient. Mm-hmm. We've been late to the adoption of automation. Clearly, we need to improve there. We weren't in the top 50 two years ago. That's something uh, that's per uh, robots per 10,000 employees. Compared to who? Like France and Germany or... Uh, G- Germany, I don't know about, I don't know where France is off the top of my head, but we, we weren't in the top 50 per 10,000 employees robots, basically. Um, but, but that's something we need to change, and we will. Where we, where we have a, an efficient facility, it's some of the most efficient facilities in the world. You look at the Nissan plant in the Northeast. Right. That Nissan plant is, it, it, you, know, is you, know, you know what the Japanese are like, and it's one of the most efficient plants anywhere in the world. Um, but people don't talk about that, do they? Right. Well, I remember hearing something when they were worried about the supply chain. Oh, well, no, no. When they were worried about Brexit, that was one of the big questions. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But as far as in general, you say manufacturing 20%. How much of that is like metalworking, manufacturing, machining? 
I couldn't name these things off the top of my head with the United States. So if you can't, then yeah, that's okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know is the short answer without looking. But if you um, approximately eighty thousand businesses doing something with a piece of metal in the UK, okay, uh, is what is the number that gets thrown around? Um, you know, there's other things. Only one in eight are female currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, one in eight of female, and it's something like one in 20 at board level. Clearly, again, that's something we need to improve. You talk about the years where manufacturing was decimated. There was a period of time there was no apprenticeships. So we had an aging workforce, and that continues today. It, it is a lot, lot better. But we are probably before the, the COVID um, epide- uh, pandemic, uh, we were 20,000 a year short of skilled labor. So we'll have to see where we are in a few months. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. I didn't think of this before, but I was, you know, I was going to ask about young people in manufacturing. It's every, everybody's talking about all that. My impression, and this is another preconceived notion from an American of English society and European society in general, is that, you know, you have a, a tradition of a caste system. My impression is if your family was a bricklayer, father, you know, the son is not expected to, to be a doctor, like you're just you sort of are what you are. Is that true, or is that is that changed? Um, of course, I, I don't know really. There's, there's obviously an element of family businesses. If if I have if I had a machine shop, one would hope my kids would follow in my footsteps. But I have a 16 year old, and I can tell you, he wants nothing to do with manufacturing. It's probably because. I've been over aggressive, trying too hard to. But I'm not even talking about the trade. I'm talking about like a class, a class of people. Like, oh, we're we're working class. We don't. Yeah. We're 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 not we're not one of them, you know. And because people say, oh, in Europe, in Germany, and in Switzerland, the, the people they go into the trades and they value the trades so much or whatever. And it's true, but at the same time, I wonder if that's just because. Well, my dad was working in a factory and that's what I know and that's what we do versus, you know, they're well respected in society. How do you see that in England? I mean, you must be around that all the time. So, you, you see that. Yeah, I, I see where you're going now. Um, in truth, it's getting much better. You, uh, you mentioned Germany. You're seen as a doctor. If you're an, if you're an engineer in Germany, you're yeah. seen as the top of the triangle, aren't you? And over here, when I was doing my apprenticeship, you're absolutely right. My friends were almost like, you're going to be an engineer, really? You know, as if- Even an engineer. Even an engineer. I was thinking just more like a machinist or whatever. 
No, no, it wasn't seen in a positive really? way, for sure. No, for sure. I think it's, yeah, honestly, I'm going back. Um, I'm a bit old when I look, actually. <laughs> I'm going back 25 years, believe it or not now, whereas it, it's gone full circle now. I think it's quite an aspirational job. The apprenticeships are looking for highly qualified people, even school and college, um, whereas once upon a time that wasn't the case. They want, they want good, good people, people with high levels of STEM, you know, science, technology, English, maths, engineering, maths. So, yeah, no, it's a good point, but it's improved no end in the UK. How about the States? How are engineers seen? Oh, engineers? If you, like, go and go to university and get a, an engineer degree? Oh, no, that's, that's seen as pretty, a very admirable profession. That's seemed like that for a long time. I, I was just more considering, thinking about, you know, somebody working in a shop. Now, if you go for engineering, that's considered pretty, I'm not going to say glamorous, but I mean, it's, it's considered very respected, you know. It's not easy to get into an engineering school. Yeah, if, if you take if you take a CNC machinist in the UK, it's it's a good job. It's it's a much cleaner job than you would expect. I, I imagine this can be echoed over the over the waters in the US, but it used to be a dirty job. It's no longer a dirty job. Money's good. You know, you can earn a lot of money as a CNC machinist in the UK. You know, an average machinist earns good money. A good machinist earns fantastic money. But do you think people put their nose up at it? Like, no, it's not so. No, I, I wouldn't say at the yeah. moment. There was a time for sure when they did. Um, but no, I don't believe so. It, it, it was slowly making progress, partly because of our brand, in all fairness. <laughs> we've made... No, it, it, it is, you know. When, no, no, I, I, I buy it. I buy it because the videos are cool. Yeah, we're young people. Clearly, we're not wearing dirty clothes. The manufacturing facilities we go to, eight, nine times out of ten are, are clean, working, safe environments. It, you know, they look appealing. And I suppose we've been doing this ten years you know, when, you, when you're talking about a million visitors a month, a lot of people are seeing these nice, clean working environments. So we've done our bit. Clearly, other people are doing so as well, to a lesser extent. But yeah, no, it, it's seen as a much better job than it once was, for sure. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. It seems like you're saying manufacturing in the UK is growing. Did I say that? No, I, you didn't. That's why <laughs> no, I said it, it seems like. Uh, in, in truth, we're on the knife edge army at the moment. We've got this dreadful pandemic which is decimating everything manufacturing included sure the government are doing what they can i don't want to get into politics but the government are doing what they can we've got something called a furlough scheme and and, and, and other incentives uh we've obviously got the b word coming into january next year the what the b word brexit ah, yeah yeah so so yeah what on a knife edge but it, it, i can tell you for sure it's never as bad as you read in the papers and there's a lot, there's a lot more news, good news out there than bad. Well, you know, what I see here is, you know, because we're constantly calling around to shops and shops will be like, I'm 50% down. I'm furloughing all these people. I'm laying off all these people. And then you call another shop and it's saying we're having the best year we've ever had. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming it's like that over there. Yeah, so we've we've got uh, an area, another another channel called the MTD Network, which is aimed at people who would buy your machines. You know, they're the end users, and they tend to be SMEs rather than OEMs. And SMEs they fall within three brackets currently. Either nothing's changed, I was busy before, I'm busy now. It's declined slightly, but we're fine. Or there's probably twenty to twenty five percent. It's seen a big a big decrease. 
Um, we had something called the ventilator challenge here in the UK. There was something that basically we, 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 there was a shortage of ventilators, as I believe there was in the States as well. Uh, and they rushed through 14,000 ventilators. Clearly, that's not 14,000 components. That's millions of components, clearly. And many manufacturers collaborated, in particular people with, I know you're a sliding head fixed um, specialist. Uh, clearly, people with sliding head lays and multi-pallet machines, they, they prospered because people were maybe weren't at work when they could have been due to the pandemic uh, and restrictions. And they were using automation, they were using bar-fed lathes, and they did that with great success. And, and that, that saw a lot of companies through some pretty bad times. Yeah, yeah. well, I think that it, there is definitely a parallel. Brexit, good or bad? Simple question. <laughs> well, if I, if I knew that, I wouldn't be a manufacturer, I can tell you that, I'd be... <laughs> I'll be sat here trading. But no, again, and I don't get into politics. We don't know. We, 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 we don't know. If you, That's fine. But what are people saying? What are your, what are your clients saying? Uh, it's 50-50. It literally is 50-50. Um, the, major, the majority is saying it'd be best to leave with a deal. It would be best to leave with a deal. Uh, and that come, but obviously uh, the EU wants certain restrictions to give us a deal. There's a lot. There's a lot of manufacturers. There's a lot of people outside of manufacturing that say just let's just go, but potentially there could be a negative impact on manufacturing. Equally, there could be a positive one as well. We can deal with anyone we choose to. So it, it's it's not a simple good bad. I'm afraid. I know I know I'm being a politician here. Not no, actually. no, you're. It's, uh, either way, it won't be as bad. If it does go bad, it won't be. I genuinely feel it won't be as bad as people are talking about. There's many, many manufacturers. You know, Tesla are rumored to be opening a battery plant. All right, let me let me rephrase the question. What will be the good things that could come from it? Dealing with countries like yourselves with no restrictions, we we export more to the. You know, basically, we we, we can export a lot more outside of the EU than we do today. We, we wouldn't have restrictions to do so. But having said that, there's some really good things about the EU as well. So, it, again, well, I'm trying to get away, no. <laughs> you know, trying to get away of answering your question directly, I guess. But, yeah, the, the, all I would say is good and bad things about being in the EU. No, it's a stupid – it's a, it's not a yes or no question. That would be a stupid question. Yeah, yeah. If, if, we, if we can leave with all the good stuff, it would be the best thing we've ever done. But, <laughs> you know, it's – when we pay, we pay these guys hundreds of million a week. Um, and some would argue we don't necessarily get value for money. That's not me saying that, but that's what some people in the UK would, would argue. Yeah, I think it's important we continue to try and get a deal. There's, there's some, uh, the Manufacturing Technology Association here in the UK, uh, they do a wonderful job. They do everything they possibly can to, to work with the government to try and get what they believe is the best for manufacturing. And they're, they're certainly... A better place to answer that question than me. That's what I, I, I would say. That are companies leaving because of Brexit, or have they left? Um, not many. Not as many as you would imagine. And and I, I generally feel the ones Honda. They, Honda closed down the the Swindon manufacturing site. Then that come out of the blue because if it's bad for them, surely it's bad for Nissan, isn't it? Do you, know, do you know what I mean? But Nissan are actually bringing product from Europe into the UK. They've taken a product from France and, and they're going to be building it in the UK. So it's there's a, there's a, there's a few have left, but I can tell you there's more rumoured to be coming to the UK than leaving currently. So, you know, we've got Airbus, we've got Boeing, and all these are investing a lot pre-COVID, investing hundreds of millions here in the UK. 
Right. That's what I was going to ask next. Like, who are the biggies? I mean, I, I, I was looking on your one of your sites and, you know, they mentioned Lotus and Sumitomo. But I mean, those are, you know, those are smaller. But uh, who are the big who are the big industrial powers that that either are have you know, good outposts there or are from England? Yeah, so we've got some, uh, some of the biggest companies in the world. I've, met, I've already mentioned Nissan. But if we look at automotive, and, and I'll miss some, I know I will, but we have, it's either three or four Ford plants. We have Nissan have a number of plants, Toyota have a number of plants, uh, Jaguar Land Rover, quite famously, uh, Lotus, like you've already mentioned, LEVC, which are owned by Geely, as are Lotus. They've just invested uh, £600 million in a Coventry-based facility, state-of-the-art. And then when you look at aerospace, all the all the big names you can imagine, you've got Spirit Aero, you've got Boeing, you've got Airbus, you've got Safran. You know, we, we've got some massive brands here in the UK and they don't always get the voice that they, they deserve. Definitely not. You don't hear about it at all. No. Um, and we, uh, I think Boeing was their fir- first... First European site, and it was open after Brexit. That is interesting. So, again, Boeing are probably better qualified than me to decide where to build a facility, but they chose to build it here in England, even though we voted to leave the EU. That's interesting. But it's an American company. So, as you said, it could be good for trade relations between the two. Yeah, yeah. As I say, if, if we leave, if we get, yeah, we're able to have deals with as many countries as we like, as, as if we leave. On our terms, of course. Yeah. Is the UK a good place for an entrepreneur to start a business? Wow, what a question. I believe so. And I, I can tell you there's... Because see, this is another preconceived notion that I and other people have, I think, just that, you know, United States, American dream, we're the easiest, best place to start a business. You know, you haven't started a business here, so you wouldn't know. But so you say it is. It's a good place to start a business. Yeah, it's easy for me to say I've done it, you know, but it's I tell you what you get in the state if we if we without getting into holistic business, but if you look at the, the United States of America, you have a lot of I don't know what you would call them, people that work from home with a CNC machine tool in the garage, don't you? They literally it's literally a VMC, a Haas, a Mazak, a Doosan, whatever the brand is, in their garage at home. Yeah, I know of one in the UK. That is, there's, there's clearly there's me more than one, but I can tell you there's not many. Is that because people don't own as many homes? There's not as much space. <laughs> yeah, good chance. Yeah, maybe our maybe our garages aren't as large as, as you guys, but but you see a lot of what we call uh, owner drivers. You know, the managing director is the programmer. He makes the tea. You know, he cleans the shop at the end of the day, and he has a few people working for him. In fact, I did have a statistic here, whereas, um, well, we can't find it, but it's, it, it's something like uh, 60% of machine shops have got less than 10 staff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, clearly what we call SME, small to medium enterprises, there's a lot of those, but equally, like I mentioned previously, we've got a whole range of OEMs in various sectors and clearly big tier ones as well. Yeah. Interesting. To answer your question directly, there's never been a better time. I don't know what it's like in, in the US. Never been a better time, even with COVID, I feel. Um, money's cheap at the moment. Lots of grants available. The machine tool dealers and, and OEMs are being very creative on how they choose to sell a machine tool at the moment. So it's not that hard to borrow money then in England? No, no, it's not. There's some machine tool agents don't want to deposit, zero deposit. And then you can de- defer VAT 
and then you can you can get a grant off the council if it's not in the best areas they'll give you three to six months deferred payment on your rent so you can pretty much you, you know you want some liquid cash don't you of course you do but you can start up a, a machine shop one two machines very very cost effectively and of course you can buy a used machine off you cheaper still hey it it happens it happens oh i wish wish more how about how about the u.s is that you know the the, the place for opportunity and all the rest of it great american dream is it that great is it easy to start a, a machine shop i think it all depends on who you ask but i don't i tend to believe in the dogma i don't know you hear a lot of people that come from other countries and they do come to the united states and they they generally don't complain I don't know, you know, you just hear about people in other countries and the taxes and the more red tape, more bureaucracy, more BS. But I don't know. We have a certain reputation. Um, reputations aren't always valid. Things change. But I think if you asked a lot of our listeners, uh, they would say yes, that um, it is a good place for an entrepreneur. But I, I always just have this preconceived notion about European countries and other countries that you've got these institutional big companies that have been there forever and there's sort of a hierarchy and they make it harder for a smaller company. But I think I make the mistake of grouping all countries in the same boat. You know, I mean, it's not fair to say England is the same as Spain or Sweden or whatever. Like to us, it's all kind of, yeah, it's, it's over there, but it's not, you can't do that. That's not fair. You have to get more detailed. It, it, it's not, and it's like with a world leader in Formula One. I'm not a Formula One enthusiast myself, but I, I think is it two out of the? They're all in the UK, apart from two, aren't they? They have their homes and their manufacturing sites here. Haas, an American brand, that they have a site here. Everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So all the Formula Ones here in the motorsport. When when you look at Nice what you call niche car manufacturing there's about 50 or 60 brands honestly there's so much over here and then we, we do our bit and we do it fairly well but it, there's never enough never enough good news coming through but it's uh it's a good place i genuinely think it's a good place to start a business the government the governments do what they can and there's trade associations lobbying to do more but yeah come over and give it a try nowhere is there reshoring coming? Everybody's been talking about reshoring here and, you know, it's, remains yeah. to be seen. But is it the same talk? Yeah. So that is going to be massive for us. It was, it was happening organically as we've embraced more automation, robotics, where you take the operator out of the equation, the emerging markets, the Far East, they're not as cheap as they once were because there's less operators. But you put COVID-19 on top of that and it's just leaped forward 10 years. And it's actually happening or it's probably going to happen? It's happening anyway, but since COVID-19, it is just blown up. And everywhere you go, it's reshore this. I'm quoting this job from China. This one's from India. And it is just everyone all of a sudden wants to buy local. Interesting. One, one, one last question. Uh, what is one of the most interesting things you learned last week? Ah, crikey. I should, I should have done my research. You probably asked that to everyone, do you? Um, <laughs> I learned I'm a good salesman. I got a really good order. <laughs> but no, um, what did I learn? Funny enough, reshoring has been a big – everywhere I go, people are talking about reshoring. That's a good question. 
That's a good question. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the reshoring element is a big thing. It, honestly, everywhere we're going, we're hearing about it. Um, selfishly, I learned we, we get a monthly update about our traffic to our channels and revenue. Our revenue's up. I learned that. That's great news. Um, our channels are continuing to prosper through COVID-19 and, you know, people are spending money with us against traditional magazines, choosing to divert it to us where there's a tangible return. That's positive. Mm -hmm. I've learned that. Um, so, yeah, we do have a magazine as well, by the way. So just one last thing for everybody. If you want to go and check out MTD, what, mtdcnc.com? Yeah, so we've got mtdcnc.com is the name which suggests CNC machining. We have mtdmfg, which is the manufacturing arm. We have uh, Swarf and Chips, which is our weekly Friday show. Not to get mixed up with Swarfcast. Yeah, no. Um, and yeah, we have the MTD Network, which is for subcontract engineers. So, so yeah, it's feel free to have a look. And obviously on, on your phones, go and look at uh, the MTD podcast. If you just literally type in MTD podcast, it comes up big red square with MTD. You can't miss it. It's good. I recommend it. I recommend it. Good. Thank you. From today's machining world, this is a Swarfcast production. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to see extended video interviews and join our mailing list. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our audio engineer is Bill Steffi. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information on todaysmachiningworld.com.